the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And while we're not told in the Song of Solomon what Solomon and Shulamite, or at least all that they talked about that day as they took their walk in the country, we do know that their conversation revealed that they indeed had a problem that they needed to work on because Shulamite goes on to tell us a second thing that she and Solomon worked on before getting married. The first thing is they worked on just getting to know one another. The second thing is that they worked on resolving a problem that threatened their relationship. In getting to know one another, this problem came to the surface and they're committed to addressing it. They say love is blind. If so, that's a real shame, because while love might be blind, it's not completely without senses. And eventually, those problems we ignore during courtship will grow and drive us apart. So it's best to address them right up front and come to an agreement. Solomon's fiancé saw that possibility and wisely told him that they needed to talk. In chapter 2 of the Song of Solomon, Shulamite said, Catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that are ruining the vineyards, while our vineyards are still in blossom. Hello, welcome to Verse by Verse. Our study leader, Pastor Steve Kreloff, is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We're studying the biblical marriage in our current series, and at the moment we are dealing with the important but often overlooked step of foreseeing and resolving potential conflicts before committing to a lifelong union. Countless marriages have ended in anger and even physical abuse because one person blindly followed their heart into marriage to someone who wasn't really what they appeared to be. Here's Pastor Steve now to share how important it is to get to know each other before the wedding bells ring. Sadly, there are many Christians, especially Christian women, who thought that they were marrying a Christian man because why? The guy said he was, and he went to church once in a while only to find out after they were married, he doesn't care about Christ. He doesn't care about the things that matter to you. He said what you wanted him to say, and now you're stuck with him. Don't do that. Don't do that. He just professed to know Jesus, came to church once in a while, looked interested in order to marry you. And so in your conversation, discuss with your potential spouse their values, Are they biblical values or are they the values of the world? Now, how can you tell if the person has biblical values? Well, find out what's most important to them. What really matters in their life? Are the things that are important to them the same things that that Scripture emphasizes? By that I mean, first of all, obedience and commitment and submission to God's word. Listen, you know how you can find out where a person is at? Are they in submission to the authority of Scripture? Are they in submission to the authority of Scripture? And so when Scripture says something, they don't debate it. Their heart's response is yes. Yes, that's what the Lord said. I'm one of his followers. But if they say things like, I don't agree with Paul there, 
I don't think that this is right. No, I see it differently. And you know you're going to have trouble. You know they're going to have trouble. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. And his voice is through the word of God. So you want to find out, do they care about obedience to the word of God on everything? What about their commitment to a good local church? They even know what a good local church is. What about their commitment? Do they care about that? That's an important matter in a Christian's life. How about honoring the Lord with their finances? You can tell a lot about how a person views money. I have a friend who said many years ago to me, he said, Steve, when I was converted, my checkbook was converted too. Find out if their checkbook's converted. Find out what they do with their money. Find out how they view their money. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be too, Jesus said. How about sharing their faith with others? Do they confess Christ publicly? Do people know that they're a Christian? Do they witness? They don't have to be expert evangelists, but do they attempt to share their faith? If not, that's a red light for you. Be careful. How about cultivating godly attitudes? Do they work at that? Do they care about not just outward stuff, That can be legalism of externals. Do they care about inward attitudes that nobody else sees, but they see? Do they care about that? Do they confess their sin? Do they repent of their sin? If you're in a relationship where somebody is oblivious to their sin, that is not good. That's a warning to you because they're going to be oblivious to you and their sin when they get married. You want to Marry someone who knows that they are a sinner and is constantly dealing with their sin, repenting and confessing and humbly admitting they need God's grace everywhere. Listen, find out everything you can about this person, how they treat their parents, what they think about about having children, about children, what they plan to do with their lives in terms of a career. What's their work ethic? Are they diligent or are they lazy? Because that's not changing when they get married to you. Listen, people are on their best behavior when they're engaged. It's not getting any better. So find out, are they diligent? Are they lazy? Are they overly sensitive? Are they easily offended? And how do they speak to others? Do they they speak edifying words to others, mature words? Or do they just speak immature put-downs? That's a mark of of someone who's really immature, putting people down. And I think what's very critical is find out what they believe about the character of God, especially about God's sovereignty. Why do I say that? Because... If you marry this person, you're going to go through difficulties in life. You're going to have a a crisis here and a crisis there. That's just the way life is. You want to be married to someone who has confidence in the Lord that he's still on the throne. You want to be married to somebody who doesn't panic, somebody who understands this is God's will. We will deal with this. What do they view about God? Is he a big God? Is he sovereign? Or is he a little God who can't handle the problems of life? Now, folks, these are just some of the, the kinds of things that every couple ought to be discussing as they spend time together. And while we're not told in the Song of Solomon what Solomon and Shulamite, or at least all that they talked about that day as they took their walk in the country, we do know that their conversation revealed that they indeed had a problem that they needed to work on because Shulamite goes on to tell us a second thing that she and Solomon worked on before getting married. The first thing is they worked on just getting to know one another. The second thing is that they worked on resolving a problem that threatened their relationship. In getting to know one another, this problem came to the surface and they're committed to addressing it. Verse 15, catch the foxes for us. 
the little foxes that are ruining the vineyards while our vineyards are in blossom. Now, as Shulamite and Solomon are taking their pleasant walk in the country, they notice something. They notice that foxes are destroying the vineyards in the surrounding area. Apparently, the community where Shulamite grew up in northern Israel had many gardens and many vineyards, and it was very common for foxes then to to dig up the roots of the vines and destroy those vineyards. But in observing the little foxes destroying the vineyards, a comparison is now made between their relationship and the vineyards that are in blossom. They understand that just as the little foxes destroy vineyards, so, note this, little problems can and will destroy their relationship unless they're dealt with. Now, it's difficult to know exactly who's doing the talking in, here in verse 15. Is it Shulamite? Is it Solomon? And commentators actually disagree on which one is speaking, but you know what? It's really not important. It's not important to know who's speaking because they both recognize that there is a little problem that's threatening their relationship, and it must be taken care of now or else it will develop into a full-blown problem that could eventually destroy their marriage. Now, folks, this is a critical, critical principle for every couple to understand, regardless of whether you're in a dating relationship, you're engaged, or you've been married for many years. As I said many times, problems in a relationship never go away by themselves. They have to be dealt with. They have to be addressed and dealt with. They're not going to vanish. Regardless of how small the problem is, it must be honestly faced and addressed or else it's going to grow. And I can guarantee you this, it's going to grow up into something much bigger. It's important to understand because there are some couples who consistently neglect to address issues in their relationship because they're just uncomfortable talking about them, and so they never discuss them. And inevitably, the small problem escalates until it's a problem of of a mountain when it really didn't need to be. Listen, Scripture makes it clear that every problem can, can be, note this, resolved. There is absolutely no issue that can't be resolved biblically. Now, that does not mean that you're going to agree with your spouse on every issue, but what it does mean is there should be no conflict between you that hinders your relationship. So biblically, how do we resolve conflicts? Now, I've covered this before, but I'm going to cover it again. And the reason being is because you can't hear this enough. I know that there are people here who've listened to this whole series who are not getting this. I know that because I've talked to them. And I want to say, have you not been here? Have you not heard these things? So you can't hear this enough. I know that. So how do you resolve conflicts, problems? Well, the first thing you do is you honestly face the problem. You bring it up. You talk about it. If you're an engaged couple, now's the time to do it. Don't wait until after you're married. Now, let me show you the scripture for this. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. This is not talking specifically about marriage. This is talking about life in general. Relationships certainly pertains to marriage because that's the most important relationship. Paul says, therefore, verse 25 of Ephesians 4, laying aside falsehood. What he means by this is you have laid that aside. 
When you became a Christian, you laid aside falsehood. You dealt with truth because you dealt with the truth about yourself, about Jesus Christ. You no longer deceived yourself into thinking, I'm such a good person, I deserve heaven. You faced the truth. You put falsehood aside and you recognize the truth. I am a sinner. I do deserve hell. Christ has died for my sins. I'm trusting him. I'm repenting of my sins. So Paul says, therefore, and and the thought here is having laid aside falsehood. Now speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we're members of one another. Be people of truth. Now, how we apply this to marriage is if you have a problem with your spouse, Tell them about it. Bring it up. Speak the truth. If something is bothering you, tell them. Get it out in the open so it can be dealt with. Otherwise, you're going to hide it in your heart thinking it's going to go away, and it won't go away. And don't listen to voices in your head like, well, if I bring this up, he'll just get upset. So he gets upset. Well, he'll have, such a, he'll have a little hissy fit here. So he has a hissy fit. Don't be held hostage by how he might respond. Speak the truth. Well, if I bring it up, it'll upset her. She'll cry. So give her a tissue and wait. I'll wait. Get the tears out. What you don't want to do is think, well, she'll just cry. It makes me feel so uncomfortable, so I'm not going to do that. That's a recipe, as I've said before, for disaster. Bring it up. Deal with it. Speak the truth. This is bothering me. This is annoying me. Secondly, once something is out in the open, take responsibility for your own attitudes and actions. In other words, don't blame the other person for the problem. Make no excuses. Well, I was tired. That's why I yelled at you. As if that justifies it. God's grace is sufficient for all situations and all times, even when you're tired. No justifying your your sin. Take responsibility. Find out where you're wrong and address that wrong. Now, let me show you, once again, Matthew chapter 7. Jesus is dealing in Matthew chapter 7 with the self-righteous Pharisees. The Pharisees who saw clearly everybody else's sin, but not their own. There are many Christians like that. They're experts in what other people ought to be doing, but they are blind to their own sins. And Jesus addresses this. Matthew chapter 7. Notice he says in verse 3, Why do you look at the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? Now, these are men who love to point out little nothing sins in the sense that they're not that significant. I mean, sin is sin. But compared to their sin, relatively insignificant. But they've got a log, a tree trunk, coming out of their own eye, but all they can see is somebody else's sin. That's hypocrisy. Jesus said in verse 4, How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your own eye. Behold, the log's in your, in your eye. You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. What he's saying is deal with your own sin first. Stop being the spiritual policeman of the Christian community, where you've got to find out everybody else's fault. Don't be an expert in your spouse's sin. Be an expert in your own sin. If your wife has confronted you about sin in your life, or your husband has confronted you about sin in your life, then deal with it. Third, Once you know where you're wrong, how do you deal with it? 
Well, you need to go and ask your spouse to forgive you. Forgive you. That's the only way to be reconciled. Look back one page at Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. Jesus said, therefore, if you're presenting your offering at the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you. Let's stop here. The context is this. A man is in the city of Jerusalem. The temple is there. It's where I bring my sacrifices to worship God, to deal with my own sin. Jesus said, you've brought an animal sacrifice. You're getting ready to present this animal sacrifice to God. The priest is going to take it, slay it as a substitute for your sin. And there you remember your brother has something against you. Now, he doesn't mean your brother in, in kinfolk way, flesh and blood. He means in a generic sense. There you remember you've sinned against somebody else. Might be that you cheated him in business. Might be you yelled at this person. Whatever it is, there you remember before you ever present your offering that something is separating me from this person. I've sinned. Verse 24 says this. Jesus said, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. It is that important that you get reconciled to your brother. Leave your worship there. Leave your sacrifice because it doesn't do any good anyway since there's sin on you. And go, go get reconciled. Now the implication is the way to be reconciled is asking forgiveness admitting you're wrong, and not justifying it. And I told you this when we went over this. Don't say anything like, well, sorry, because what that means is I'm sorry you're such a sensitive baby that you got so easily offended by this. That's not asking forgiveness. That's called blame shifting. You're the problem, and yes, I'll say I'm sorry because I hurt your feelings, or sorry I hurt your feelings. No, I was wrong. I've sinned against you. Will you forgive me? And don't say, well, I was wrong, I sinned against you, but, you know, you brought this out. You were, listen, that's justifying. You you were wrong. Be reconciled by humbling yourself. People who don't ask forgiveness are proud. They're just arrogant and proud. Finally, the fourth thing is bring closure to this conflict. How do you bring closure to it? You grant forgiveness. You ask forgiveness, you grant forgiveness. Forgiveness. If you're the one sinned against and your spouse is saying, please forgive me, don't say, oh, it's nothing. It is something. Grant them forgiveness. We studied this last week, Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven, meaning there's no limit for this. Bring closure. This is how you bring closure to conflicts by granting forgiveness. Ephesians chapter 4. What a marvelous statement by Paul. Verses 31 and 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another. Tenderhearted. Notice this. Forgiving each other just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. When we were forgiven by Jesus Christ, by God in Christ, it means that he no longer holds our sin against us. He doesn't bring it up to us. That's what it means to forgive. I'm promising my spouse when they ask forgiveness, and even before they do that in my heart, I've forgiven them, but I'm promising them I'm not bringing this up to you. Even if you do this again tomorrow, Or in 30 minutes, I'm not saying, you know what, you did that a half hour ago, you did it yesterday, you did it last week. No, you have promised never to bring it up again. Now, what happens when they sin against you the next day and it's the very same thing? 
then you grant them forgiveness. That's exactly what Jesus is saying. If they keep sinning against you, you keep granting them forgiveness. So you're promising not to hold the sin against your spouse. It's over, so move on. Now, folks, that's the way to resolve conflicts. It ought to be second nature to us. If you're not doing that, start doing that. Start doing that. So what was the issue? The little fox that was threatening Shulamite and Solomon's relationship. Well, you'll have to come back next week to find that out. Isn't that terrible? But you'll have to come back because we'll, we'll go over that next week as we close this series out on marriage. Now, if you are single, I want to encourage you. Don't struggle to get married. Don't strive in this area. Don't focus on trying to find the right person. Focus on trying to be the right person. Focus on developing your relationship with Jesus Christ. Focus on cultivating Christ-likeness so that whoever marries you is marrying a gem. Focus on being the kind of woman, the kind of man that a godly person would be interested in. That's what you ought to focus on. Secondly, if you're engaged or moving towards it, get to know that person. Ask the right questions. Be discerning. If you're not sure, bring them into your fold with godly friends who will be more objective than you are. They may very well tell you, this person is not for you. I don't know what you see in them. If enough people begin to tell you that, it's probably true. Make sure that they really know Christ, that they're not trying to deceive you, that they're not just saying, yeah, I I believe in Jesus and I'm hanging around church for a while. No, find out what's beneath the surface and make sure that you know Christ. I don't want to be naive as to think that in our church of two services here on Sunday that everybody who comes here knows the Lord. Make sure you know him. Make sure that you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you have a relationship with him that you really know him, that you demonstrate the evidence of really knowing him because you're in submission to the authority of his word. Now let's bow for prayer. Father, thank you for such a a revealing portion of scripture, such an enlightening portion of scripture, Lord. I pray for every single in our congregation that they'll be encouraged, Lord, that they will not strive and struggle about getting married or not being married, but if they have the gift of singleness, Lord, may they rest in that. May they enjoy this gift that you've given them, Lord, and not, and not strive about marriage. But I pray if you've put it in their hearts that they do desire to get married, I pray that you will help them to concentrate on growing in the grace and knowledge of Christ. May they focus on becoming more and more conformed to your image. And I pray, Lord, in your providence and your will, I pray that you'll bring them just a wonderful, wonderful Christian husband or wife. And Lord, we're so grateful here at Lakeside to have so many young couples. We pray that that will continue, that this, is, this would be a great place to meet the right, the right person. And so, Father, we pray that each single and each married couple will take heed to what we've gone over today, that if they have not been following these principles, they'll start Start today. They'll resolve all conflicts. They'll talk. They'll communicate. They'll, I pray you'll bring the thrill back to some couples just to be with each other. So, Lord, we pray you'll take what's, what's been taught and drive it home into our hearts. And we also pray for those who may not know you, that they may 
be aware that they don't know you and come to truly repent and trust Christ to be their Lord and Savior. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There will always be conflicts in this world. We just have to deal with them as they come. But if you're engaged or thinking about becoming engaged, it's critical to discover any showstoppers before you tie the knot if you want to have a happy and healthy marriage. Premarital counseling helps, but it's no guarantee. What you need besides the counseling is lots of time spent in open and honest conversation with each other. You've been listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Find out more about Lakeside at lakesidechapel.com or call 727-441-1714. That's 727-441-1714. What if you're already married and discovering that those once endearing quirks have turned into nagging irritations? You need to talk about those, too. Pastor Steve had some helpful information on that in a previous program. You can listen to all of our previous programs online or download them from our website, versebyverseradio.org. Go to the Message Archive page and search out the date you want to hear. That's versebyverseradio.org. This is Jerry Peterson. There's an old joke about a woman telling her friend, I guess I should be glad that I married Mr. Wright, but I wish I'd known ahead of time that his first name was Always. Spending time together in conversation is important before marriage. But how do you actually know if this is the right person for you and that you really are to promise till death do us part? We'll consider that on the next Verse by Verse. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.